If Holy Communion is about friendship with Jesus, then it means that Holy Communion can never be taken. It can only be received. Because friendship is not something that I can grasp. I can't force somebody to share their mind, to share their heart. And in fact, by, by attempting to do so, I ruin the gift. So friendship must be received. This is actually what we see in the first reading. Adam and Eve have everything at their disposal. Everything is pure gift. The Lord's given them everything except for this one tree and this one fruit. And that's the one thing that they reach out and take. And they ruin the gift. And they ruin the friendship. And Jesus, he shows us the antidote to this grasping. He lays down his power. The tempter has always got the same tactic. Hey, take Take, take your power and turn these stones into bread. You can do that. Just like Adam and Eve had the power to take the fruit. Just like you and I have the power to take communion. But Jesus sees the deception and he knows the truth. It's not about the bread. It's about the gift. It's about the friendship. And if he were to take, he would ruin the friendship. Our goal as Catholic Christians is not to receive the bread as often as humanly possible. It's actually not the goal. The goal is friendship with God. In fact, the church lays out for us very clearly the, the parameters in which we can receive Holy Communion. On one end, you have to receive at least one time a year. Now, that, that rule was put into effect at a time when people thought they had to be absolutely perfect and nobody was going to communion. The church was like, no, you need to go to communion. It's not for the perfect. It's for the imperfect. But you have to be desiring perfection. You have to be on the way. So you got you to go. You got to go to confession. You got to be in the right state, but you got go to you go to communion at least once a year. On the other, on the other side, the, the maximum amount of times you can receive Holy Communion in a year, I bet you didn't even know there was a number. 730 times. You can't receive Holy Communion more than 730 times because you can only receive twice in one day. And the reason for that rule was because then people started saying, oh, well, if I just receive communion more, that's more Jesus, that makes me more holy. That's better, right? More is better. And the church says, no, no, our, our faith is more than just receiving communion. It's not just about the bread, it's about every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. 
In a certain sense, we could say we, the church doesn't want us to limit our faith, doesn't want to limit our relationship with God to a mere physical relationship. Because we're not just bodies. And just like in any other relationship, any other friendship, you can't have just a merely physical relationship. Like we just share proximity or we just hug or hold each other or the marital embrace. It's a beautiful thing, but that can't be the whole of your marital relationship. We've got to share our thoughts. We've got to share our hearts. We've got to share our very personalities. And again, this is something that cannot be taken, but can only be given. And the Lord is giving. He's pouring out his thoughts. He's pouring out his desires. He's pouring out his words. And they're all right there for us to take advantage of, to receive with gratitude. You know, there's beautiful stories uh, during the prison camps of World War II. And you hear in the Catholic sectors, you know, somebody would smuggle in a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine and a priest would, would say mass and then he'd break the, the host into tiny little, little fragments and he'd bring them to the other Catholic prisoners. And some of these, some of these prisoners would, would fast all day long knowing that they had an opportunity to receive the blessed sacrament later in the day. Well, in the Protestant sectors, they didn't have the Blessed Sacrament, but what did they have? They had the Word. And they would smuggle in Bibles and tear off little pieces of the Bible and, and share that with one another. And you'd have like a little tiny section of you know, John's Gospel or the prophet Isaiah, and you would just, you would just feed off of that. Just feed off of the Word. When we come to Mass, the beginning of Mass isn't like the warm-up act for receiving Holy Communion. We're receiving from Him right now. We're hearing the Word. And just like we wouldn't want even a fragment of the, of the, the Blessed Sacrament to fall to the ground, we don't want to allow a fragment of His Word to fall to the ground. We want to receive all of it. Because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. The church also shows us that the point of Mass is not for me to receive Holy Communion. Because I'm only required to receive Holy Communion once in a year, and I'm required to go to, go to Mass 60 times in a year. Every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. Which means that my, my participation here is more than just the bread. It's every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And I think, I think most of us know that minimally we can't receive communion when we have mortal sin on our heart. Because mortal sin is what has separated us from friendship with God. And our way back in friendship is through the confessional like we talked about last week. And I think even though I knew this growing up, and probably, probably you know this, in, in, practical, uh, in, in practice, 
I don't think I ever saw somebody not go to Holy Communion. Like, that's just what you do. And so, how do you have that? Look, I'm not supposed to, but everybody does it. What am I going to, like, stay in my pew? That's, everybody would see me. And so it's kind of a conundrum. I think the first time I saw the... the saw this done well was uh, I was traveling as a missionary with Net Ministries. We we're out in Southern California and because of our retreat schedule, the only, day, the only time we'd go to Mass was a 7 p.m. Mass on a Sunday evening in Spanish. And we were running a little bit late so we, we got there just as Mass was starting. It was standing room only. So we're all standing in the back. It was very clear that we weren't from around there. And then as communion starts, we're kind of thinking like, oh yeah, you know, when it gets to our turn, we'll go up. That's how you do it. But they weren't going in an orderly fashion. It wasn't like the first row and the second row. It was just like this person over here went, then this person over here went, and then a few people over here went. And then by the time we figured this out, communion was over. I was like, wow, that was actually really beautiful. You didn't have to go to communion. You weren't forced to go to communion by the the momentum of the tide in the room. You actually got to make the choice. And if you didn't go, nobody noticed. It's actually a really healthy, beautiful thing. I'd like to, I'd like to, to say and, and, and a word of gratitude for those, those of you who have I've just seen more and more of you taking this so seriously and you know either staying in your pew or coming up for a blessing because what that does not only does that teach your, your family your children that hey sometimes sometimes there's a reason why you might not go to communion or I might need to go to confession first but you also give everybody else in the room the opportunity to also stay in their pew the opportunity to go for a blessing and not be the only one. You know, the church is always living in this balance of, you know, yes, you need to go to communion, but hey, you gotta, you gotta discern whether you should go to communion. And there's not like a number, it's not a bell curve, like, hey, okay, so 50% of people can go to communion today, so uh, I want the 50 holiest people to come up. For, you know, it's like, obviously, we're, we're not gonna do that. There's no, there's no number but I think minimally the church is suggesting 100% of the congregants at any particular mass shouldn't be coming up for communion. Neither should 0% of the congregants at any given mass be coming up for communion. And each one of us has to discern that individually. What are the requirements? Well, the requirements, I gotta be in a state of grace have fasted for one hour before Holy Communion and be properly disposed. Now, the first two, those are pretty objective. I'm either in a state of grace or I'm not. I either fasted or I didn't. But subjectively, am I properly disposed? What's that mean? Well, I think we could say it means that I want what the Eucharist is. I want what the Eucharist does to happen in me. What's the Eucharist? It's all the power of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
to transform me into his likeness, to enable me to live in friendship with God here and in eternity. It's the pledge of eternal life. If I don't want that, if I can honestly sit here and say, you know what, I, I'm not at that place in my life where I actually want to be transformed. I don't want more of Jesus in my life. I don't want to be closer friends with Jesus. I'm not ready for that. I haven't been living this week in friendship with him. In fact, I haven't even thought about him and since last week when I walked out of church, then it might not be the time to receive Holy Communion. Because if we receive without desiring the power, without believing in the power, then we receive a fruitless communion. And brothers and sisters, I don't want to give out fruitless communions. I want to give the power of transformation. I want to hand you the power for your life to be totally overhauled and changed. I want our parish to be transformed soul by soul, heart by heart. And so wherever you are, we can even pray for that desire. Lord, maybe I'm honest, I I don't desire that, but I want to desire that. I'm not there yet. I think, strictly speaking, the only person who should not receive Holy Communion is the person who thinks that he or she deserves Holy Communion. No, we never, we never deserve it. It's always gift. And we can't take. We can only receive. Blessed Emilda was a young girl. She's about 11 years old, and in that time they didn't do First Communion until a little bit later. And she was just longing for the Eucharist. She's dying to receive Jesus, whom she loves so much and she's walking in friendship with. In fact, she, she said to her family and friends on occasion, I don't know how anybody could receive the power of the Eucharist and not just die for joy. And one day after the Feast of the Annunciation or the Ascension, she was at at Mass with her family and afterwards she just was up at the communion rail praying and her eyes were closed. And the sacristan walks by and she sees a host floating over Amilda's head. So she goes and finds the priest, and the priest goes, okay, well, I guess it's time for First Communion. So he goes and he grabs the host out of the air, and he gives Blessed Imelda whom she had been longing for. And Imelda was so overwhelmed with joy, the power of the sacrament she just received that her soul went straight to heaven.
why doesn't that happen when I receive Holy Communion? Why doesn't that happen when you receive Holy Communion? Brothers and sisters, let's tap in to that power. Let's strive to live in friendship with the Lord of the universe who gives us this greatest gift, his very self. But it's a power that only, only can be activated if we firmly receive, believe, and accept every word that comes forth from the mouth of God.